Welcome to the Stephen Mansfield Audio Podcast. I want to talk to you in this podcast uh, about a trend that many of us have anticipated for years and which really uh, culminated in an article by some Cambridge scholars, by some British scholars in the Journal of Medical Ethics. Let me tell you what I'm talking about. Uh, For years, those of us who are pro-life, those of us who believe that human life is sacred and uh, should only be brought to an end in acts of defense or punishment for criminal activity, uh, have believed that if we as a society executed the next generation, essentially, for our own comfort, now that's harshly stated, but uh, if we uh, engaged in abortions for vanity reasons, for comfort reasons, for economic reasons, for uh, in any reasons that were beyond uh, the threat to a mother's life, which everybody, as far as I know, believes uh, is, is a legitimate case for an abortion, um, that we would somehow harden the consciences of our society, that we would somehow uh, expand those rights to sacrifice the next generation, um, uh, you know, based on our own comfort and our own need. And, and the great concern was that we would become increasingly, you know, call it what you will, barbarian, uh, increasingly mercenary, that we would increasingly, uh, you know, take the next generation to the extent that we felt like it was necessary to preserve certain rights and privileges for this generation. Well, it all sounded sounded extreme. I I have spent many hours sitting over a uh, a coffee, talking to friends uh, who who do not share my views, and they said, that's just extreme. That's never going to happen. Well, not to crow or not to say that uh, my tribe is always right, but just recently in the Journal of Medical Ethics by uh, some, some British scholars, have written an article in which they have argued for the legitimacy of killing babies after they're born. Now, I, you, I'm sure you think I'm making this up, and I know this is a macabre subject to talk about, but if we don't talk about it before it becomes law, what's going to happen after it does uh, if, if it should? Uh, the reality is that two very intelligent, very well-educated, uh, very respected Uh, medical professionals in England um, who are Cambridge professors have written an article article called After Birth Abortion, Why Should the Baby Live? Now, when I first read this, I thought perhaps they were being provocative to make a point. But uh, they, they say, listen to this now, that what we call after birth abortion or the killing of a newborn should be permissible in all the cases where abortion is, including uh, where the newborn is not disabled. They call this after-birth abortion. And their, their perspective is that a person, a human being, should be defined as someone who can contribute to their own existence. I want you to think about that definition. A human being is someone who can contribute to their own existence. And therefore, a newborn would not be able to contribute to their own existence. So the authors go on to say that if there are troubling economic circumstances or the child is uh, going to live in unwanted circumstances or the child has Down syndrome or some physical deformity, 
that you should be able, that society should be able to call for an afterbirth abortion. Now, they, they make the case, these scholars do, that the, the argument that they're making is largely not new. And man, are they correct about that. This has reared its ugly head uh, all through human history. The, the problem is obvious, I think, first of all, but the problem is that if you can kill a human being after it's born and an infant because it's undesirable, because it's economically troubling, because it's deformed, uh, because it's, you know, going to be raised in less than uh, opulent or even favorable economic circumstances, then why can't you do that at any time during that human being's life? Now, I argue, and I think most folks who are pro-life argue, that human life is sacred. Uh, those of us who are faith-based who are pro-life believe, of course, that human beings are made in the image of God. And therefore, to kill a child after it's been born is nothing but murder. Once a child's been born, in fact, you know, of course, my view is that it's murder to do it in the womb once, the, once we know that life is there, because life in the womb is sacred also. But, but let's go ahead with their argument for just a moment. If you can kill a child who's two or three or four or five days old on the basis that they can't contribute to their own well-being, that they can't make a contribution to their own existence, well, of course, obviously we can draw parallels with the elderly. We could draw parallels with someone who is in a coma. Uh, we could draw parallels with someone who's temporarily disabled, temporarily uh, endured some kind of a brain injury or something. I mean, when you start defining uh, life or life that ought to be allowed to endure on the basis of whether it can contribute to its own existence, you have really redefined life. And the, the other thing, too, is that who gives the state the right to make these decisions? Who says the state can intrude in my family? Suppose, God forbid, I have a deformed grandchild. I fully intend to care for that grandchild or love that child. Suppose one of my two children, Jonathan or Elizabeth, had been deformed. I mean, uh, my son, Jonathan, was born with a cleft lip. Does that qualify? Does that mean that he's not, uh, not uh, to be allowed to live because he doesn't uh, maybe at birth look like a magazine cover? Where is the line going to be drawn? And, and I would suggest, and many of my pro-life friends would suggest, and, and of course, Francis Schaeffer and others were suggesting this a generation ago, that once you shift the lines from what you might call the natural lines or God's lines, if you believe that, or, 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 or the clear lines of you know, viability at existence, once you shift the lines of the definition of human life from you know, where natural law, so to speak, would define life, you know, birth and death, then you really have created a monster, so to speak, and you are putting human life in great danger before the state. I mean, this is barbarism. This is what the Roman Empire practiced. When uh, in the Roman Empire, there was the law of paterfamilias. A child could be brought to a father. He could, he could literally signal thumbs up or thumbs down. If the, he signaled thumbs down, the child was uh, exposed on the city walls. And we have records of babies being exposed you know, by the hundreds on the city walls uh, or thrown off of bridges into water, uh, into rivers down below. Uh, this was the way it was in the Roman Empire. So what these medical professionals are urging uh, in the Journal of Medical Ethics, and by the way, they, def they defended it, for those of you who would like to look it up, in the British Medical Journal blog, um, is essentially ex exactly what the Roman Empire practiced, which was infanticide. 
But what, what they're doing in this case is they're redefining the very definition of life. Now, I want you to think about the people that you know uh, who were born with some defect that was obvious to the doctors as soon as they came out of the womb. Uh, that child, according to these professors, these respected medical professionals who have written in one of the most esteemed medical journals in the world, are arguing that a child after birth with a defect ought to be killed. In fact, a child after birth without a defect ought to be uh, put to death if, if, they, if, if the state or the doctor or some medical committee so chooses, uh, based on economic circumstances, etc. Uh, this, this is uh, not science fiction. This is not just a horror story. And this is not that isolated. Uh, even the even the writers themselves say this is pretty well. This is some of the commonly accepted view that's exer- existed over the years. Well, yes, maybe in Nazism and other places. So I, I urge you to pay attention to these sort of cutting edge cases, these sort of avant garde articles and uh, legal rulings and opinions of leading thinkers, because the lines are being moved in our society. Once we legalized abortion. We began to sh- we, we put into the hands of the state uh, the right to define what life was and the right to define when it could be taken. Now, initially, that was voluntarily by a mother, but in time, that line has shifted, uh, and you are not far, I think, from some landmark cases about uh, taking uh, the life of the elderly taking by state mandate the life of those in comas, taking the lives of those who are uh, in some way temporarily damaged, and certainly taking the lives of those who are newborn and show some defect or are going to grow up in less than ideal circumstances. Uh, This is a move towards barbarism. It's dangerous. And even if you're not pro-life, even if you are in favor of abortion, of children deformed or unwanted in the womb. I'll, I'll even, I'm even willing to let go of that argument for the moment, although everyone listening knows that I do believe life in the womb ought to be protected. The fact that now that's been extrapolated to allow for the taking of a child after it's born, I think ought to give everyone pause, even including those who are pro-abortion. Stephen Mansfield is a New York Times bestselling author, a popular speaker, a frequent faith and culture commentator on Fox Cable News and CNN, and a blogger for the Huffington Post. His groundbreaking books on faith and American politics include The Faith of George W. Bush, The Faith of Barack Obama, and the upcoming The Mormonization of America. You can learn more about Stephen at www.mansfieldgroup.com or connect with him on Facebook and on Twitter under the name Mansfield Writes. The Stephen Mansfield Podcast is produced by Isaac Darnell for Chartwell Literary Group.